Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. Good evening, I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphomet. It's 12-12-21, which must mean something in the cosmic numerology, right? <laughs> I think so. Tonight, a conversation with Don Webb, a master of the order of the vampire within the Temple of Set. We'll be talking about his new book, Energy Magic of the Vampire. We'll explore his background as a writer of all sorts of horror, a teacher, a high priest. Don is and has been a lot of things. Let's get lost in that tonight. And Rice, the gothic novelist best known for Interview with a Vampire, the 1976 book that in 1994 became a popular film starring Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, died on Saturday. She was 80. An important figure for many in horror, vampire communities, and marginalized individuals everywhere. I'll ask Don on his thoughts about this later. It's tonight broadcasting from my home studio, the hinterlands of the Oregon coast, at the edge of the world, I've got great news. We are but weeks away from a new season of Euphemet being released. That's right, season five. And for those of you listening to this live as a terrestrial broadcast, it may be news to you that this very program you're listening to right now is produced and released as a companion series to my documentary podcast, Euphemet. It's about the unknown and our relationship to it. Each episode features real people sharing real stories of how the unknown mystical, paranormal, and the occult have shaped their life. In the coming weeks, perhaps we'll preview some of these stories. What this means for me is that starting next month, I am back on the road embedding myself in the unreal, sharing space with strangers, sharing with me some of the most incredible stories in the world. Much more to come on all of this. Before we get into the show, I also want to give a very heartfelt message to my friends in Kentucky and the individuals dealing with incredible tragedy and trauma. You know, I, I say it often, but that corner of the world brings me to it so often for this program, even within the last several weeks. And it has, quite frankly, shaped a, a lot of the paranormal identity of not just the United States, but the world. Uh, there's often very strange... Uh, illuminating things that happen there in Kentucky, Ohio, West Virginia, Tennessee. And tonight, we have a lot of people that feel very broken, very alone. And I would like for all of us that are listening to this either live right now or on the Euphemet feed later to send some just good energy down there. Um, frequent contributor to this program, Bex, was down there visiting her family as this was happening. She's there now. And go online, go to Liminal Earth, go to my Twitter feed, and find ways that you can help support people in Kentucky right now. But for tonight, Energy Magic of the Vampire. In this initiatory guide, Don Webb explains how a vampire is not a blood-drinking, crucifix-fearing, mythical figure, but a shaman, someone adept at gathering, using, and storing energy for magical power manifestation, and personal liberation. 
a master of the Order of the Vampire within the Temple of Set. Dawn shares a nine-month process of introspection, magical techniques, and practices that will awaken and initiate you as a vampire and allow you to actualize your hidden potential. Webb begins by exploring the relationship between the vampire and energy, explaining the basics of how to gather energy from the world around you and store it in the body, in artifacts and talismans, and in groups of people such as a coven. In the in-depth section of the nine stages of initiation, the author offers guided magical techniques, manifestation methods, and experiments to utilize the energy you have learned to gather and store. He examines body awareness and how we must each learn to control the inner parasites that mask our true personality and siphon our energies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, he also looks at servitors and familiars, vampiric runes, dream architecture, money magic practices, and sex magic techniques. Sharing more advanced practices, Webb explores healing with vampiric magic, creating and destroying egregores, and how to fight off psychic vampires those who steal your power and energy. Webb suggests that by walking the path of the vampire, you can achieve greater self-knowledge, a deeper connection with the energies that surround you, and the power to manifest your deepest desires. A master of the order of the vampire within the Temple of Set. Don Webb tonight on Night Drift. We'll also be taking your calls tonight. 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW. That's tonight on Night Drift, right after this. show on social media at euphemet e-u-p-h-o-m-e-t when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply With Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. 
here I am again, and now we're with Don Webb, who joined the Temple of Set in 1989, where he served as its high priest for six years, and is recognized as an ipsissimus. He teaches horror writing at UCLA Extension School, and has been published in Analog, Asimov's Weird Tales, Fantasy and Science Fiction, Amazing, Interzone, and more than 40 anthologies. The author of several books on left-hand path practice and philosophy, including Overthrowing the Old Gods. He lives in Austin, Texas. Don, welcome so much to Night Drift. Hello. Uh, we seem to be having a delay with Don as to where he is not hearing me. What's happening here is the, the introduction for Don was so magnificent and so filled with accolades <laughs> that it was just too much for him, and he just hung up. And so hopefully Don will come back to the show. Listen, and while we wait for him, I just you know want to share that the the vampire that we're going to be talking about tonight, I think, is a is a much different vampire than what you may be familiar with. If we're talking about something like Anne Rice, if we're talking about you know a stalking sort of individual of a fantastical creature with with fangs you know waiting to bite down on your neck um that's not what this is what we're talking about here tonight now let me qualify for those of you that listen to euphemet i've had experience with what you may consider a real vampire you know these are individuals that have a penchant for drinking blood, but not based off of some lurid curiosity, but based off of maybe what they think is a real physiological response to their body. But that's not what we're talking about here tonight. We're talking about the transmission of energy, back and forth, feeding off it, giving it. This is what we're talking about here tonight. And actually, maybe what we'll do is we'll just take a quick break while we figure out why Don can't hear us, and we'll come back. Finally, talking about Energy Magic of the Vampire with Don Webb, here tonight on Night Drift. You're listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. All right, we are back again, and we are here with Don Webb. Don Webb, thank you so much for joining us on Night Drift here tonight. I am absolutely glad to be here. My friend, we'll never get to everything here because you you have lived a life. Uh, but I am interested in getting right into, for the uninitiated, what is the left-hand path? All right, the left-hand path. It's a, which is a term that originally comes from Sanskrit, Vamamarg, is a path of self-deification. Rather than relying on a god or goddess or group of gods, the left-hand path initiate seeks to make himself or herself as divine as possible. Mm. Part of that process means rejecting certain social norms, okay. um, certain ideas of conventional good and evil, the left-hand path initiate will reject simply because it's social conditioning. Mm. It, what, what would be some of the examples of, of something that would be rejected 
Um, one thing that might be rejected is, for example, belief that I need a deity to help me out. Mm-hmm. Um, belief that if I say certain words, I'm going to be in trouble with God. Um, belief that there are certain things I shouldn't read or view because that may offend somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people would, you know, probably qualify this and not of people in this program. They would misunderstand a lot of these things that we're talking about as being maybe dark or evil. And that's not really what we're talking about here, is it? Well, the, the important thing is discovering that they're in fact not dark or evil, but actually in some ways meaningless. Yeah. Um, mm. We are in many ways extremely socially conditioned. Um, for example, I have a friend now who sadly is suffering a great deal. And if I were calling him up on the phone, even though he's in the hospital, I said, how are you? The first thing he would do is respond by social conditioning and say, hey, I'm fine. Because we're, we're, we are socially conditioned to do that. Right. Um, we're socially conditioned to accept a lot of things without thinking about them. And so the left-hand path initiate will often get himself or herself in trouble by um, seeking after mysteries that uh, are, let's say, in God's domain, to use an old science fiction cliche. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And within that, probably trying to discover maybe a greater context or just the ability to kind of critically think about one's place in reality? Absolutely, critically think about one's place in reality. Uh, the most fundamental mystery that we're confronted with every day is ourselves. And the majority of social conditioning is to say, don't look at that mystery. Yeah. And the difference between something like the Temple of Set and something like the Satanic Church, for example, is that Satanic Church is is essentially based within uh, an extreme logic, right? And this idea that this is it, there's nothing more. Whereas something like the Temple of Set, correct me if I'm wrong, is is more about the, the, the idea that they're, they're could be something else, that there is something more here, right? Well, absolutely. The uh, The Church of Satan, as it has developed, has become uh, exceptionally atheistic. Um, you know, there are this life only people, uh, which is a, a completely valid approach to the world, uh, because I'm not going to tell anybody, you know, what approach to the world they should use. However, um, if, in fact, I think you carefully observe your life, you will discover there are things about your life you don't understand. There may be experiences of reality that are not uh, consensually shared with everyone. And so you can either adopt a conditional faith and say, I can explain everything with Christianity or with Buddhism or with uh, some variety of Hinduism, or you can say, wow, there's a lot of things I don't know. Let me boldly decide to experiment with these things while keeping at least one foot in the realm of reason. Hmm. That's so interesting. And it parallels a lot of folks that I'm familiar with in the paranormal world. I think one of the most important things to consider that that I've heard from sort of very learned paranormal investigators and free thinkers is, you know, uh, keep one foot in, one foot out. And and that's sort of what you're saying here, right? 
Yeah, the yeah, total belief in anything tends to be hindering. Uh, a an acquaintance of mine who has, has long since passed, Robert Anton Wilson, said the most important thing you can do is learn how to say maybe as opposed to <laughs> I 100% believe in X, Y, or Z. Sure, sure. Uh, Robert Anton Wilson has some of the best uh, uh, framing I've ever found for the paranormal as someone who's experienced some things on this, you know, sort of quest for creating documentaries, things that I just could never explain, right? His writings about describing Chapel Perilous has got me through a lot of dark nights, my friend. No, he, he certainly um, had that way to keep humor and reason as very useful tools, mm. but not be slaves to either one of them. Right. Yeah, which is important. So l- let's talk a little bit about your book here. And, and I think firstly, I, j- I just want to know from you personally why you feel, you know, this book would be important for somebody to read. Well, one thing that's true for every human being, everyone that's hearing either of us tonight, all the time you're awash in a sea of energy. Every human being you encounter, every animal you encounter, every situation you encounter causes energy either to wash over you or flow out of you. Mm. That's the normal human condition. We all have friends that if we spend a few moments with them, we feel better not just emotionally, physically, spiritually. Yeah. So this flow of energy is something that we're immersed in. The vampire becomes aware of that flow of energy and then can decide, make more decisions about what to do with it. Let's talk a little bit about vampire and, and the way that you use that term. I think, firstly, I want to know, do, do you identify as a vampire? Uh I would say that I am a vampire. Uh, I would say that's one of the skill sets and personas and masks that I find useful in the world. Right. And how would you describe how you identify as a vampire? Is it similar to what people are, have experienced with Anne Rice, for example, or, or is it something different? Well, the myth of course, of the vampire, which is what draws all of us to begin with, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's from Bram Stoker or Anne Rice or um, God's Help Us, the Twilight series. Um, It's a very attractive myth to believe that a human being can extend their life, their power, their influence using very basic energies like fear and sex. Yeah. Uh, it's a wonderful idea to believe you can use attention given to you freely and that you can turn around with the energy you take in, amplify it, refine it, put it where you want, whether it's to heal a friend or to create a great piece of art or simply to have better dreams. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so, so, Don, I've been around individuals who identify as vampires yet in in a very much different way than what you're describing as and i've you know been to new orleans and and witnessed communities engaged in you know sucking each other's blood um these individuals of course have an idea that physiologically 
you know they're 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 getting something that that blood is is not just an energy form for them but but something deeply um you know physiological for lack of a better term have you had any, any experience with these these real life vampire communities and 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 what is your what is your take on that well of course i've met people with a blood fetish um that's that's not unusual in various gothic subcultures sure uh the problem is of course is that that is confusing a symbol with reality mm. um and whereas there may be something that is gained in terms of i'm breaking a lot of taboos or this is a very important fetish for me this is not something that's interesting in for at least for me for the long run um i'm much more interested in energy of a more subtle sort uh, but this, of course, is just getting down to the most basic examples of mythology. And I think they're a little too taken with some of these sort of things. Um, but I am not someone to speak against anybody's fetish. I mean, go do, go do what you want to do. However, the vampire magic I teach, you do not have to, and in fact, shouldn't take in the blood of any living creature. Uh, you've probably got that question before, right? Uh, is this book, are, are you going to give me instructions for phlebotomy or something in here? <laughs> no. Uh, in fact, you, you, reading the book, there, there will be no veins opened. Um, <laughs> there may be some interesting things you'll learn about how to look at someone and draw energy into yourself and perhaps more importantly in the world how to look at someone and be sure you're not taking in their energy oh fascinating yeah so inadvertently maybe even taking their energy um well we're going to get into that and and much more here tonight uh don webb is with us a master of the order of the vampire in the temple of set he is an author, an instructor. He writes brilliant horror. We're going to get into as much of that as possible. And we're also taking your calls here tonight. If you'd like to ask a call about vampirism, about energy, if you'd like to ask Don any questions, if you'd like to share an Anne Rice story, it's 425-373-5527 or 888-298-KKNW right here on Night Drift. We'll be right back after this.
From west of the Cascades to the rest of the world, lines are open. Call 425-373-5527 or toll free in western Washington, 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW. We're back here on Night Drift. And if you want more of the program, you can find it on the Euphemet feed wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit euphemet.com. And do you have a paranormal experience that has changed your life? Share it with me at jim at euphemet.com. Next week on the program, Joshua Cutchin on High Strangeness and the Bigfoot. Along with co-author Timothy Renner, he has examined not only the intersection of hairy ape men and global folklore, um, poltergeists, fairies, extraterrestrials, magic, witches, ghosts, and archetypal, archetypal women in white, but also questions the fundamental assumptions underlying contemporary cryptozoological beliefs surrounding Bigfoot. That is next week, Sunday, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, here on Night Drift. Now we're back with Don Webb, and before we left for the break, Don had mentioned that a, a part of this process is to identify m- maybe when you are sucking others' energy out like a vampire and, and you don't even know about it and, and how you can recognize that. Don, what do you believe is happening when we feed on someone else's energy? Well, human beings are, um, our evolution has built us up where we're not meant to be alone. We're, we, we, we like the company of fellow primates. This is a very important thing. Uh, as a consequence, we're entirely always picking in signals, energy, information from the people around us. Mm. Um, probably the simplest example of that is when you're next to someone who yawns and suddenly you find yourself yawning too. <laughs> we like to sync up our bodies together. Um, The problem is, are you wanting to sync up your body with certain individuals? Do Mm. you like their attitudes? Do you like their mental states? Do you like their mental health? Um, Are you just drinking in their very toxic selves? Um, We tend to take in energy, and for the average human, you take it in, and you put back exactly the same thing. Um, That's why in certain things, like going to a a football game, your energy seems to match the energy of the crowd. Right. Uh, the vampire decides as they're taking in energy, hey, do I like this? Do I want to store this? Is this good? Or, hey, I don't like what's coming into me here. I mm-hmm. don't like being reactive to the people I'm reactive to. Um, the average human is probably, every, all of your listeners know, is to a certain extent asleep. We're not particularly conscious all the time. Right. Um, that means we are very much molded by the people we're around. That's great if we're around really good people. Not so great if we're around people that are violent or stupid or maybe just ill in various ways. Yeah. Um, as energy flows into you, you've got to make that decision. Do I like it? Do I not like it? If you like it, then you have to make the decision. Do I want to amp it up? Do I want to store it or do I just enjoy the moment? Fascinating. Yeah. And so many people just sometimes don't, uh, are not able to rationalize what is actually happening between this energy exchange that's going on. I'm curious, Don, you know, was there something that has happened to you in particular that helped inspire you 
you know, sort of learn these practices and become a vampire yourself? Were there in, was was there an instance or instances where you you felt your energy being drained, or or you felt yourself in a compromising position where you felt like there has to be a different way to handle this? Well, one of the things that um, I'm very aware of, uh, if you are in a magical world, people. Uh, you're exposing yourself to completely pure energy flowing out of them. Mm. Um, and hopefully, you know, you're there to assist and add to this and make this into what it should be. So any group uh, magic immediately makes you aware of this. Um, but I think one of the things that really made me aware of the vampiric um, was someone who uh, is a type of person that we refer to in the in the temple of Sat and and in general pop the general culture says this now a psychic vampire. Um, I had a boss that when she would walk in the room, everyone in the room suddenly just really felt awful. Mm. Um, we felt stupid. We felt lethargic. We would do kind of anything to get her out of the room, and I would realize, hey. This is not just an emotional feeling that I have. I can observe other people getting a little bit ashen around this woman. Hmm. Now, she drew in energy at huge amounts, but was not what I would call a vampire. Since she wasn't doing anything useful with it. Um, she was just pulling it into herself and in many ways was just kind of dispersing it because she, she sort of leaked like a sieve. Hmm. But we will all know like that. We all know people like that. If you watch everyone you interact with next week, you will discover some people are energy positive. When you're in your presence, you feel better. Some people, you feel like you're a pint low if you have to spend some time with them. <laughs> and so it's uh, not something unique that I'm teaching. It's just the fact that people are largely unaware of it because we're conditioned to be unaware of it. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because conditioning us to be unaware of it seems like that would have the, you know, have the benefit to someone else potentially using that um, to affect us negatively. What, what do you think we've been conditioned to ignore things like that or not pay attention to things like that? Uh, there are 8 billion people on this planet and there are limited resources. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things we have to, you know, that people have to do to get energy out of people. Um, if you want to see a really good example of vampiric magic, a huge towering example, uh, go to Las Vegas. There you have <laughs> entire temples of energy. Yeah, right? Right. You walk into them, they have flashing lights, they have no long straight hallways they have no clocks you don't see outside of the casino and just look around you'll see people in a trance state you know feeding money into machines um if you have a moment of being like truly awake and say wow what are these people doing you'll say oh they are feeding all of their energy into the machine look at that yeah. man over there he has just spent uh two weeks worth of paychecks into a device that's flashing lights in his eyes and doesn't right. think that's weird. Yeah. You know, um, right. there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said for manipulating energy. Uh, and the vampire can do it on a small scale, but 
society does it on a big scale. Um, watch all the commercials during the Super Bowl. Man, they are well put together to draw energy out of you. Right. Uh, put you in a quick trance, give you an emotional joke, then leave you a message, buy this, buy that, and then mm. drop you back into the game. Mm. There's a lot of reasons why you want to manipulate people's energy, whether it's uh, sexual energy, emotional energy, economic energy. There's reasons that people want it. Um, I think it's time to fight back. Hmm. Do you feel that, and this feels apparent to me, but do you feel that there's a possibility that, uh, you know, the anxiety that so much, so many of us feel on a daily basis that, that permeates in various ways that's destructive to us, both like sort of physically and, and, and mentally, you know, an, enabling or, or essentially inspiring a lot of people to self-medicate, right, or, or to self-abuse, um, these are things that, that could potentially, you know, sort of be an effect of this energy manipulation by outside forces. Oh, of course. I, and it's not, and, and I don't want to, to suggest a, a conspiracy of this. This is out right. in the open and plain and clear. Yeah. Uh, uh, I live in the beautiful city of Austin, Texas. And as I drive downtown, I see bigger and bigger billboards all the way into downtown for about the same three things. Um, for personal injury lawyers that mm. suggest, hey, you need to go get money because you've been hurt. Huge billboards for various forms of alcohol and entertainment. Um, and, and I see billboards for things to make people worry about their appearance. You know, there's a couple of plastic surgeons have these huge billboards. I mean, just in a 10-minute drive, I'll see the message 10 times. Hey, you look bad, you're hurting, people are after you, and you need to self-medicate. That's a lot of messages that are huge, and thousands of dollars have been sent for me to feel them. And if I am in my usual trance state, you know, I'm driving, I'm thinking about what I need to do at work, I'm worried about traffic, every one of those messages is going somewhere in my psyche. And my psyche is then going to very uh, productively be producing energy for other people. Mm. Um, I could I could give you the first three notes of the McDonald's song, and every single person uh, listening to this tonight will picture the golden arch- arches, yeah, even right. if they don't eat there. Right. There's a lot of real estate in your head that's already you know being occupied by people that aren't paying rent. Oh my gosh! Isn't it? It's so the case. What What do you think fighting back looks like, Don? Well, I think the easiest way to do this, and, and my book is set up where there's some practices you can start with and to see if you get results before you try the sort of the deeper magic. The easiest practice you can do every night before you go to bed: um, take a couple of moments. Darkened room is better. And do an in and do an energy inventory of the day. When did I feel my energy was good? When did I feel my energy was bad? And what did I do about that? Mm. Just become aware of that for a few days, and you can start to make simple changes. Like, wow, every time I do X, Y, or Z thing, that really, really drains my energy. 
why am I, do I have to do it? And sometimes the answer is, is quite simply no. Um, do certain foods give me more energy? Do certain um, situations increase, decrease my energy? Do, do things numb me out? Um, yeah. Become aware of the energy around you and become aware of what it's doing to your energy. Even if you do nothing more, if you if just that step of vampiric magic, it will change your life. You know, a lot of people I know identify themselves as being empathic or, or simply being empaths. This seems like a little bit of a recipe for how those individuals can maybe view that feeling or those feelings through a lens of setting up some boundaries for them to not feel that way all the time, or at least having some context for what they feel. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Because if you, if your natural empathy, if you're born aware of some of these states, if you're not being in control of it, then someone else is being in control of it for you. Mm. Um, there are people who find themselves in relationships that all they do is essentially process the bad emotions of their partner. Oh, yeah, I know. And, and they don't know this. Right. Yeah, it's it's a complete struggle for a lot of people, and it's it's reaction, reaction, reaction. It's not taking a second to even consider. I mean, I think in addition to your book, in which I think is really is really great, Don, and you can tell that <laughs> you're a professional writer because not everyone that writes books such as these um, actually knows how to write, to be honest. So <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that's great. Um, you know, people like taking a second, breathing, going for a walk, right? And like considering what's going on a little bit. How would how would you respond to that through the natural well, process? Absolutely. First off, you know, breaking breaking out of the world machine is the first step in any initiatory path. Mm. Uh, and that's in some ways the, the most important step, even if there's a hundred steps afterward. Yeah. The yeah. The, uh, the vampiric metaphor works really well because it's something you can feel in your body. You can feel it in your heart rate, in your respiration. Um, you can feel it in the energy that goes through your nerves. And so then it's really, really simple. In another time, in a different culture, um, this would be the first steps toward becoming a shaman. Mm -hmm. You know, you would discover the good, the good spirits, the bad spirits, um, the forces that work with your tribe or against your tribe. We don't have that metaphor now. Uh, but particularly when uh, Bram Stoker wrote the book Dracula, everyone was like, wow, this is an incredibly powerful metaphor. I am so drawn to this. Um, so he throws this one meme as we is out into the world. And then there's literally, what, hundreds of movies and TV shows and music and writing yeah. that follow. Right. Uh, we like play with this meme a lot we've talked a little bit about how people can can sort of start considering at least ways to protect themselves from energy being sucked from them um how how is it that people can start on the path of of actually gathering energy in in, in very small steps uh the, the simplest practice that i would would, would recommend to people 
is when you feel you're in a place that the energy is good for you. Uh, the people around you are making you happy. You feel um, satisfied, whether it's sexually satisfied or, or even just the, satisf the satisfaction you might have after a big family meal. Take a moment or two, breathe in deeply, and just tell yourself you're storing that energy. Now you can get much more exotic and powerful techniques, but that's the basic thing. Become aware of the energy is there and say, hey, I like this. I want to keep this. And then later that night, when you do your energy inventory, say, yeah, I did a good job. I drew in a lot of energy. Because the easiest energy to bring in is that that's given to you freely. Um, mm. There are obviously some darker methods that can be suggested by the word vampire. Sometimes you may want to take energy in from an opponent, but that's hard to do. That takes some practice. Start with easy stuff. Take in the energy you feel in a secure, happy environment and just imagine yourself storing it. There. That's your second step along the path. Yeah, and you would, would you describe this as something like emotional training? Uh, there's a, both emotional and physiological training, mm. but they will go together. Um, your body will gladly follow your emotions if you aim your emotions in the way that's for your own development. Um, you really want to do all these things in such a way that it integrates the being. Uh, it appeals to you intellectually. It appeals to you emotionally. It appeals to you physically. And mm. eventually, you'll have a sense in your own body of what to do. As you do this in kind of an artificial way to begin with, eventually the body, the emotions, the mind will all be glad to do this for you. Hmm. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah, one foot in front of the other. Positive changes begets positive changes, I think. As someone who, you know, goes back and forth on uh, going to the gym and not, and uh, paying attention to what they eat and then not. I know that when I pay attention to one, the other seemingly follows suit and also a more positive perspective in general. Um, and, and I think this is a really interesting way to tap into that with a process, which is, which is so helpful for people. You know, I'm also curious, you know, you're an educator, you, you, you're a writer, uh, you, you write horror fiction as well. H how does something like horror fiction, you know, in your background in that in, inspire the work you're doing in this? Well, one of the things that makes people have a lot of energy is controlled fear. Human beings, one of the things that set us apart from our animal brothers and sisters is we like being afraid. <laughs> you can ride a roller coaster. You can scream the entire way. You can clutch the bar in front of you so hard you're afraid maybe your fingernails are going to bend the steel. <laughs> what do you do the minute it's, all, it's over? You run around and pay money to do it again. <laughs> I mean, human beings pay money to scare themselves. Right. I wouldn't see my cat do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> horror is the way we begin to deal in a very gut, simple way with questions of our mortality, um, what scares us, what doesn't scare us, 
and there is a relationship between horror and ecstasy um mm. that's sometimes uh, you know, sometimes quite surprising uh certainly when uh bram stoker wrote dracula i he wasn't thinking in the beginning hey i'm writing an erotic book but as he developed the character it became more and more erotic yeah now right. to some extent that was because you know he was a theater agent um and and his boss he had a crush on and uh being a bisexual man in victorian england was not a let's say a socially acceptable path um so he himself was dealing with certain things he had repressed but then fear and attraction are oftentimes really close to each other and you want to eventually sort of transcend both you don't want to have your emotions being driven by things outside yourself but you don't want to do that by saying okay i'm going to get rid of emotion you're going to say ah i want to control my emotion and therefore horror writing is a really easy way to control emotion and there it is don there it is the connection between your work with horror uh th- this book energy magic of the vampire Secret Techniques for Personal Power and Manifestation. Dawn, it's, it's been brilliant chatting with you tonight, and I'd love to chat with you again, my friend. Oh, absolutely. This has been, this has been totally wonderful. And besides, you're in one of my favorite parts of the country. So absolutely, let's do this again. Fantastic, my friend. And thank you for listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, KKNW 1150 AM Seattle. Hear the show anytime on his podcast feed, wherever you listen to them. Go to euphemet.com for more and join us next Sunday. And until then, keep looking up. Follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.